0: Growing in God's Word and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. Cultural
1: practices can and do oftentimes vary, uh, even within our own culture. Whether you're talking about traditions or technology that advances, things just change.
0: Have you ever looked at photos or movies or TV shows from the 60s, 70s, and 80s? Invariably, one of the things that often jumps out are the changes in style, including hairstyles. The beehive, the Dorothy Hamill, the rat tail. Some have names that are as strange as the styles themselves. So what does that have to do with the church in Corinth or the church today?
1: In the midst of all cultural practices that come and go, there is a creation order that should not be missed.
0: Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. As we've seen throughout this study in First Corinthians, the believers in Corinth had many disagreements. And as we've seen in the last couple of weeks in chapter 11 of the book,
1: the church in Corinth didn't need another reason to fight, but they found one over this idea of whether it's disgraceful for man to have his head covered, not covered, woman to have her head covered, not covered, all that. The secret to this is putting it in a creation context, not a cultural context, because cultures can shift But the creation order is ultimately what matters.
0: Today, Pastor Clay is going to finish up our discussion on verses one through sixteen, helping us to understand what was going on in Corinth, and helping us understand what it means for the church in our culture today. Thanks for joining us. Let's dive in. First Corinthians chapter eleven, verses one through
1: sixteen, and yes, I'm going to read it again. Uh, for the third week in a row, I'm going to read all 16 verses. And for some of you, this may be the first, the only first time you've ever read 1 Corinthians 11, 1 through 16. Or if you've been here all three weeks, the third time you've read 1 Corinthians 11, 1 through 16. But uh, you need to hear it in some sense in its context so that it, that way it can get even more confusing. <laughs> but we'll break that down, okay? Y'all doing all right? Thank you, and I said this later, thank you for being here. There's, there's 10,000 other places you could be today. You're not here for me, uh, and I don't pretend to think that, although I always say it's, it's a lot more fun to preach to people than empty seats. But, but, but you're honoring the Lord by your presence in His house today. 1 Corinthians 11, 1 through 16, uh, Be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. Now, I praise you because you remember me in everything and hold firmly to the traditions just as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man, and the man is the head of a woman, and God is the head of Christ. Every man who has something on his head while praying or prophesying disgraces his head. But every woman who has her head uncovered while praying or prophesying disgraces her head. For she is one and the same as the woman whose head is shaved. For if a woman does not cover her head, let her also have her hair cut off. But if it is disgraceful for a woman to have her hair cut off or her head shaved, let her cover her head. For man ought not to have his head covered, since he is the image and glory of God. But the woman is the glory of man. For man does not originate from woman, but woman from man. For indeed, man was not created for the woman's sake, but woman for the man's sake. Therefore, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. However, in the Lord, neither is woman independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. For as the woman originates from the man, so also the man has his birth through the woman. And all things originate from God. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him? But if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her. For her hair is given to her for a covering. But if one is inclined to be contentious, we have no other practice, nor have the churches of God. Pray with me this morning. Lord, again, thank you for the privilege of being here. Uh, thank you again for this text, as uh, difficult as it is for us in in our context to fully grasp and understand it. I thank you for it. I believe you included it in 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 the canon in your in your word for a reason. So as you've given me opportunity to apply and, and study and and try and get to the heart and the root of this text, for then. For the Corinthians and for us, I pray that you would give clarity to each person. Open our hearts and minds and ears <clears throat> uh, to to your truth. As, as I've said, Father, several times, that uh, you can't read this without thinking, wow, this does not go along with, with some of what is taught in our current culture. But as I've also said many times, Lord, we, we have to decide. Each person has to decide their source of truth when truth claims Conflict. So, just give clarity uh, to me as your messenger boy, and and uh, give clarity to those who open their hearts and minds and ears to receive what your word would say today. Help us to leave here making application for each of our lives and what this means <clears throat> for us today. In Jesus' name, Amen. <clears throat> amen. Sorry, <clears throat> not getting emotional over that text. I just need some coffee. Getting a little choked up. <clears throat> There, about, uh, never mind. <laughs> okay. A couple weeks ago, we started uh, with, with one idea. With one idea. And that is, what, what did this mean for them? We started with this, what did, it, what did it mean for them? What, why is Paul writing this to the Corinthians? Because would you agree that as we read this in our, in our 21st century context, as we read this, there's a lot in there that's like, what? That's crazy. That sounds, that sounds wild. Long hair, short hair, head shaved, not shaved, head covered, not covered. Men, women, right? I mean, it, so, so what did it mean for the Corinthians for Paul to write this to him? What precipitated this this uh, this point that he is making about all of that? The first week we discussed that pretty good in depth. What I think led up to Paul's uh, including this in his letter based on a question that they had to have asked him. They had sent him a letter. We know that they sent him a letter. We know that they asked him a number of questions that had to do with certain contextual events and things that were happening in Corinth and problems that they were having and squabbles that they were having and all that kind of stuff. And Paul's been slowly working his way. As we, as we make our way through the letter, he's been dealing with many of the issues and problems that the church in Corinth had. And if you're not aware of it, the church in Corinth had lots of issues, had lots of problems but so do churches today, right? We still have our stuff because church because people today are like people then. We're just sinners, uh, saved by grace if we accepted Christ as our Savior. But we're, we're frail human beings, and we, we we mess up just like they would mess up, and that sort of thing. So so we dealt with why why did he write this to them? All of that uh, leading up to the second idea that we're trying to get to is what does it mean for us? And I took a second week last week, and again spent almost all of that time still in the background of what it meant for them because we've got to understand as clearly as we can what it meant for them if we're gonna arrive at what it means for us in the in in today, in twenty first century the church here today. So we had to kinda we have to kinda continue to work through that. And I'm still gonna do some of that today, still working contextually on on where we are uh, where they were so that we are getting to this, answering this question of what it, what does it mean? What does that mean for us? And as I said last week, that's really the question that everybody wants answered. Uh, you want to know, hey, what uh, does this apply to me as a man, as a woman? What does this mean for us today? And I finished last week with just kind of a statement that, that's been coming out of those first two weeks. And so, I'm, again, I'm going to get a plug in, get a chance to go back and listen or watch those. But I, I kind of left us with this statement last week. Cultural practices vary; biblical principles don't, and and that's what we have to get our mind around is understanding that cultural practices can and do oftentimes vary, uh, even within our own culture. Cultural practices are constantly changing, aren't they? No, I mean, they're they're constantly, constantly changing. Uh, we just just cultural practices in general. Cultural, uh, whether whether you're talking about uh, traditions or. Or technology that advances, or or all that kind of stuff, and it's it, it, things just things just change. We, we Cindy and I were at BJ's the other day because she told me that they had some CDs for sale, and I, I wanted to go buy one to burn to my computer to put on my phone, which I can't do because my phone and my computer don't like each other anymore. But anyway, as we we're checking out, uh, you know, the guy said CDs, man, don't see many of them anymore, and I and I and I made some comment about yeah, something, and I said something about eight tracks, and. Uh, you could tell the, the wheel started turning. you're like, whoa, man, that's way back. So, so things within culture uh, can change. The point is, what, when Scripture is dealing with something, what does it mean for us? So I left you with that. Cultural practices vary. Biblical principles don't. Okay, with that in mind, let's dive back into that text I just read. But now we're picking it up in verse 7. I've got to kind of piecemeal walk through this. Y'all okay? Got to kind of piecemeal walk through this if we're going to get to what it means for us. So here we go. Verse 7. I'll tell you what, I'll just read it from the screen. Uh, it's and standard like mine. It says, For a man ought not to have his head covered, since he is the image and glory of God. But the woman is the glory of man. For man does not originate from woman, but woman from man. For indeed, man was not created for the woman's sake, but woman for the man's sake... Therefore, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. There is so much that could be said about this text. But let me try and and streamline it for us today a little Let me try and condense it a little bit with with this idea, uh, which first is, is this. There is a creation order that should not be missed. In the midst of all cultural practices that come and go, rise and fall, change and don't change, all this kind of, In the midst of all that stuff, there is a creation order that should not be missed. Now, we talked a little bit last week, as we were winding up, we talked a little bit last week about the creation order, but I'm, I tried to, hopefully made clear last week, that this whole thing, this whole debate... Uh, that Paul is dealing with him, dealing with here, comes as a result of two cultures colliding. These two cultures that collide together. Those that come out of a Jewish background who have come to faith in Jesus Christ, and those who come out of a Gentile, predominantly Greek background, who have come to Christ. And they're both in the church now, but they have both brought their culture, their cultural practice. They both brought their tradition into the church so that Jews, uh, men cover their head, Jewish women don't cover their head, Greek, uh, men don't cover their head. Uh, Greek women do cover their head. So you have these two cultures coming together. And they are absolutely polar opposite in their in their practice. In their understanding of what this head covering or not covering means. They are absolutely at odds with each other. <clears throat> and as I've said a couple different times. the The church in Corinth didn't need another reason to fight. But they found one. They found another reason to fight. And they're fighting over this idea of whether it's disgraceful for man to have his head covered not covered, woman to have her head head covered not covered covered all that for the last couple of weeks but all of this comes about as a result of these two cultures colliding in the midst of this and what paul is drawing out here is that this has to do that you that the secret to this is putting it in a creation context not a cultural context because as i said a moment ago cultures can shift Practices can come and go, but, but, the, but cr- the creation order is ultimately what matters. As we're going to see, as I think we'll see clearly in just a moment, <clears throat> Paul, uh, let me put it th- this way to you, Paul isn't demanding that the, the, the people in Corinth practice this cultural custom. I think we're going to see that in just a minute. He's not demanding that they practice this cultural custom, but Paul is declaring a biblical reason to do it. In other words, rather than just saying, eh, it's just a silly practice y'all got. Remember, both of them have been doing it for hundreds of years. Rather than just dismissing it and saying this is silly, he, says if, he basically says, if you're going to do this, let me give you a biblical reason. And he has clearly, if you were here last week, you know this, he has clearly sided with the Greeks, right? He's clearly come down on the side of the Greeks as to men should not have their heads covered, and we're going to get into that in just a second, and women should have their heads covered. So he's gone against his own Jewish people, his own Jewish background. And he's clearly sided with the Greeks. But again, his reason is creation context, not cultural context. Like it was for them, it's all about culture. It's all about tradition. Oh, we, we never cover our heads. Oh, we always cover our heads. Oh, why? Because our fathers did. And their fathers, and their fathers, and their fathers. Paul says, no, that's, that's, that's not a good reason. If you're going to do this, do it for a biblical reason. So, <clears throat> Here's what he dives into. He's clearly cited with the Greeks. Men should not have their heads covered when they pray or prophesy. Remember, that was up earlier. That's the context. When when men or women are praying or prophesying in the church. Later on uh, in 1 Corinthians, we'll get to some of that probably some more. But that's clearly the context. When, When men pray or prophesy in the church, they should not have their head covered. Why? He says, since or because he is the image and glory of God. He is the image and glory of God. I want you to take note of that sentence there, because he is the image and glory of God. Because of the creation order, man, according to the apostle Paul, <clears throat> uniquely reflects the glory of God. Doesn't mean that that women don't, women are not in our image. We're well, we going to see that in just a second. <clears throat> not in God's image. He's not saying that. We'll see that in just a second. But because of the creation order, because man was created first, man uniquely has is in a position that he he glorifies God through this process. Doesn't mean man is better. That, that's that's clear. I'll get to that. But he but he because of the creation order. In other words, the creation order matters. Is what I want you to understand. God didn't just one day. Well, let's 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 toss a coin. Heads, I make man first. Tails, I make woman first. No, God had His purposes in the creation order, and that cannot or should not be missed, because man has this ability to uniquely uh, reflect the glory of God because of His the order in the creation. Because of that, he should not wear a head covering, because that would in that culture. Right? I'm going to keep saying that. In that culture, because head covering had a cultural significance to it, if a man covers his head while praying or prophesying, he would be demonstrating or he would be implying that there is someone over or greater than God. Because man is in the image and, and glory of God. So by covering his head, he is implying that there is someone over God. You understand what I'm saying? And because there is no one greater, because there is no one over God... A man in that culture where coverings meant something, a man should not have his head covered when he prays or prophesies. So if you're going to do this, Paul says, make sure you got the creation order right. And no, men, you should not cover your head because you're in the image and glory of God. And therefore, by covering your head, you would be dishonoring God. You would be implying that, that someone is greater than, than God in that culture. But, he says, woman is the glory of man. Now, I want you to notice, he does not say, Now I want you to notice what he does not say first. He does not say that woman is is in the image of man. He doesn't say that because woman is not in the image of man. No, woman is in the image of God, just like a man is. No difference, both of us created in the image of God. But, because of the fact that, that man was created first, Genesis 1.27, Genesis 1.27 tells us that woman is equal to man, but because man was created first, and because woman came out of man, Genesis 2.21 and 22, and because woman was created to for to for the man or was created to help the man genesis two eighteen this is not clay just i'm telling you, you go back read the scriptures because the woman was created to help the man and remember remember it doesn't mean that she is less than man it doesn't mean that oh you're my you're my helper oh you're my little helper it doesn't mean that a woman is less than man no in the biblical context, for to, to say that the woman was created to help the man means that the woman was created to come alongside and help the man to to ultimately fulfill God's purposes for all of mankind, which was to which was to care for his creation and bring honor and glory to him. Both men and women do that together. And I'm expecting a few amens here. I think we could all agree that us men could use a little help. Lord knows I can. So, he's he's not dissing on women. And watch, he's going to go back to this to make sure people understand this. He's not dissing on women. He's simply saying that the creation order matters, that there's something in the creation order that you need to take note of, and God had his purposes and plans for him. So, the woman, as a result of the creation order and the fact that she came out of the man and she created to help man, means that she reflects the glory of man. So, he says, watch this, therefore, a woman, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Angels, they're always messing stuff up. A woman ought to have uh, a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Now, can't skip over it. It's right there. Just can't. I could, but I can't. Uh... What's interesting about the statement is Paul makes he just he throws this out there right he's just going along he's talking therefore a woman not to have her head covered we we could say because of Genesis two eighteen because of Genesis two twenty one and twenty two because you know they could, but he sa- but he says because of the angels the fact that Paul gives zero absolutely no explanation as to what he means by that must mean that the Corinthians knew exactly what he was talking about. Whether that's from previous meetings he's had with them, whether that was from... Whatever the reason, when Paul says because of the angels, they must have known exactly what he meant by that statement because he doesn't even try to explain it. But because you and I are 2,000 years or nearly 2,000 years removed from that event, I'll just be honest with you, the exact meaning of because of the angels is lost in antiquity to us. I mean, it really is. There's no way to say with absolute certainty why he said because of the angels. You know, in, in, our, in our culture today, when we hear the word angel, it essentially has just one meaning, right? We hear the word angel, we automatically think of this spiritual being floating around with wings, which it obviously can mean and predominantly does mean in Scripture. That's, that's what, in, in the Bible, that's what angel almost predominantly always means is this angelic being, Right? But, you and I need to remember that the Greek word for angel, angelos, simply means messenger. That, that, that's, all, that's all it means. Angelos simply means messenger. So, either, either Paul means, it, either Paul is talking about actual angelic beings that somehow uh, need to see the creation order on display and or need to see uh, women voluntarily placing themselves in, in the position where God has put them in this creation order. Uh, and remember, 1 Peter one twenty-seven. this is a remarkable verse. 1 Peter one twenty-seven tells us that angels long to look into God's dealings with us. They long to look into, is the way Peter puts it, into the, how God interacts with man. Apparently angels are curious... Why God would bestow such extravagant love on a part of his creation that would rebel against him and nail him to a cross. I don't know if any of us can ever understand that. So either it is actual angelic beings and somehow there's a need for them to, to see this going on, or Paul means the plain meaning or the plain sense of angelos, messengers. In which case, he is probably referring to the pastors of the church who deliver the the word of God, the message of God. Uh, they're acting as messengers to deliver the message of God to the people of God, and that somehow in that in in within the church, there's a need for uh, women to uh, to display their 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 understanding of the creation order and and uh, the 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 messenger the, the pastors their their direction over the church something like that it's pure speculation i can't say for sure i'm just saying that that's there's only one of those two possibilities if you ask me it's got to be either actual angelic beings or they're referring to the pastors and i will throw this out there as we'll, later on in in the first Corinthians, we'll see there, there's indication that there may have been some issues within the church in corinth with with what was going on with women and in the church and that, that kind of thing, so he could be referring to that. But here is what you and I need to remember about this uh, w- w- for us: is that the creation order—that's it's that the creation order that has to be seen and not missed. Not women aren't less; they're in, they're equal in in uh, every way to man in, in the in creation. Yes, man was created first, when woman was taken out of, that, that was God's program, his process in, w- in which he did that, but it doesn't mean that a woman is less than man. Remember, uh, I've said this before, uh, equality in essence, distinction in design. That's, that's going to come up here in, in it, so stay with me. Equality in essence, distinction in design. So, there's a creation order that should not be missed, but, here's the second one, there's a creation order that should not be missed misused and it has been misused big time throughout history verse 11 and 12 however in the lord neither is woman independent of man nor is man independent of woman look what he's doing here now notice the equality he's drawing out here for as the woman originates from the man meaning the original man and woman adam and eve so also the man has his birth Through the woman. And by the way, all things and all people ultimately originate from God. You see what's going on here? It's almost as if, prompted by the Holy Spirit, Paul goes out of his way to anticipate that somebody's going to misuse what he just said about about the creation order and 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 women should have their heads covered in that context in that culture and men not it's almost as if he's anticipating that that the Corinthians and other people will misuse what I have just said and they'll they'll misuse it against women women they'll misuse it to somehow say that women are are less than or inferior to to men and they are not they'll misuse it in some way to to force women to be subservient to men and uh, against their will, and they should not. So it's almost as if he anticipates that, and he says, uh-uh, uh-uh, no. Men and women are the same. They, they both come from God. Don't you forget that. Don't get away from that lesson. Okay? There's a creation order that should not be missed, but there's a creation order that should not be misused also. and And it was. It was being misused. Has been, historically, has been misused. To somehow make women less than men, which is not what God intended. Okay, so, uh, let me just, well, let's just go on to it. Paul then makes this statement in verse 13. So we're getting there. We're getting to what it means for us. Judge for yourselves, is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Now, what's interesting about this sentence uh, in the Greek is that there is an emphasis that you might not normally see... Uh, just reading in English, but there is an emphasis on the personal pronoun in the sentence. In other words, let me explain it to you. Uh, The word uh, judge, krino, in Greek, already has the pronoun, the personal pronoun you applied to it. It's already implied in the word krino. You judge, in other words. The the personal pronoun is already implied in the sentence, but then, Paul puts the, the personal pronoun humes, you, he puts it into it a second time, so that You, you, is in the sentence. You could literally translate it this way. You yourselves judge the situation. Or in this context, you yourselves judge whether a woman should have her head covered or not covered when she prays or prophesies. In other words, essentially what Paul is, as he's coming to the end of this part, what he he says is, you don't need an apostle to decide this for you. All you have to do is look at the custom, look at the tradition, look at the practice, And look at Scripture. And if it doesn't violate a a principle of Scripture, if you want to practice... Remember, he hasn't told them they should, they can't do it. If it doesn't violate a principle of Scripture and you want to do it, that's fine, but do it for a biblical reason and not because the culture does it or practices it or whatever. And he says, you yourselves can judge this. You You can judge this. If you have the Spirit of God in you, you can judge whether this is something you ought to be involved in or not. So... With that in mind, let me give you just a couple, what I hope are a couple of practical applications because I know this is a lot and I know for some of you, you're not really interested in a lot of this because it is so much and because it is background, it is all that stuff. Uh, my son Travis said to me the other day, I can't remember exactly how he said but essentially he said, do you, you think you're the first pastor to ever spend three weeks in 1 Corinthians 11, 1 through 16? <laughs> and uh, in other words, man, you, you you think you're the first one to spend this much time on such an obscure passage? And listen, it is an obscure passage. I mean, nobody writes a verse from 1 Corinthians 11 through 16 and puts it in somebody's birthday card. Nobody nobody comes up and tries to encourage somebody that's that's having a struggle. Nobody tries to encourage them with something from 1 Corinthians 11, 1 through 16. Nobody puts a verse from 1 Corinthians 11, 1 through 16 on their tombstone. It it, it is an obscure uh, passage. But in my defense, I will say this. It is partly obscure because pastors and preachers tend to not preach on this passage. Amen. They tend to skip over it because it's a hard passage. It's hard. So in my defense, I will say that. I don't know whether I'm the first one to ever spend three weeks on First Corinthians 11, 1 through 16. But I know this. Th- this is what I know. This is my firm conviction. The Spirit of God put it in there for a reason. And since it's the Word of God and since God says, I'm the Lord God, I change not then then I I need to understand what does that mean then for me? If it's in there, what does it mean? And there are some things in Scripture that might not mean anything for me. Levitical law, for instance, that doesn't apply to us anymore. It never did apply to us. It was specifically for the Jews for a certain period of time. So I need to understand that. So a couple, what I hope are practical applications or what we can draw from this. Here's the first one. First, steer clear of cultural distractions. Steer clear of cultural Distractions. And this is where you yourselves judge. you got to judge this and, and decide, is this biblical, is this not biblical? Does it violate Scripture? Does it not violate Scripture? Is there a biblical reason to do this or not do this? And in the midst of all that, steer clear. Like I said, the Corinthians had found another reason to fight, and they are fighting over this. There's a, there's a problem in the church because of Jewish men covering their head and, and uh, Greek men not covering their heads and vice versa with the women. And so the lesson at the very least to us is steer clear of cultural distractions where you can. Yes, I, 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 let me say this. In our culture, a head covering carries no real cultural meaning. It's a fashion thing, not an honor or dishonor thing. Getting to the, I'm cutting to the chase of the answer for us. In our culture, a head covering carries no real cultural meaning. Right? It doesn't. In that culture, it did and, and still does in many parts of the world, by the way. In that culture, In our our culture, the covering carries no real meaning. It's a fashion thing, not an honor or dishonor thing. So, here's what I would say. It's not necessary for women or men to have their heads covered or uncovered in our culture because head covering simply doesn't have a meaning for us today. You understand? It's just a fashion thing for us, right? Right? You wear a cap. You wear a hat. Ladies wear a hat or a scarf or, or whatever. In our culture, in our context, it doesn't carry the same meaning, and so it's not necessary. Now, if a woman wants to, she can. I remember uh, president the seminary when I was in, in seminary, uh, Doctor Patterson, uh, his wife, Doctor Patterson, uh, Doctor Dorothy Patterson. Uh, whenever she, whenever she, certainly whenever she was going to speak uh, at a, at a church event or uh, or would be invited to pray or whatever she would always wear a hat because i think her thing was listen i'd rather err on the side of caution than (laughs) than not and so she just always would because she wanted to make sure that she was showing humility remember that verse one back two weeks ago that's the key live your life model it after mine because i'm modeling it after christ this life of humility so stay clear of culture now think about that think about that in the context of the church today Cultural distractions. Well, uh, they don't. They don't. They don't sing hymns. I'm I'm out of there. They don't do modern praise music. I am I'm leaving that place. Uh, they don't have a choir. Why, why am I even here? They, they they don't hand out the elements of the Lord's supper. They expect me to come forward and, and take them myself. I I just don't like that. They do this. They they do that. You understand what I'm saying? Traditions customs, whatever you want to call them. Churches today can develop them just like churches then. Is it wrong to practice them? No, not as long as they don't violate a principle of Scripture. But it may not be necessary to, to, to hitch my wagon to those horses. You understand what I'm saying? I, I don't necessarily have to. Don't get, don't, they were letting, here it is, they were letting the cultural distractions keep them from the main calling upon their life which was to take the message and the mission of the gospel to the world and they're so focused on little squabbles among themselves about this or that or whose head is covered or who has not covered and all the stuff that they're missing the opportunity to influence the world for the gospel don't ladies and gentlemen don't let our cultural practices or customs in or out of the church don't let them keep us from the main thing which is the message and the mission of the gospel of jesus christ does it line up with scripture does it violate scripture Sure, examine, judge for yourselves, but in the end, make sure that you don't let that keep you from the, from the main thing. And then, one more, r- r- real quickly, uh, we need to, we need to, well, let me just bring it up, I'll just give it to you. We need to stand clear on sexual distinctions. Uh, we're getting, this is really, this is really getting to the heart of what his whole, the creation order, and all that he's, this, is what he's, this is what he's building towards, I believe. Stand clear. We need to stay clear of cultural distractions. We need to stand clear clear on cultural on sorry stand clear on sexual distinctions now watch what he says uh, in verses 14 through 16 does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair it is a dishonor to him but if a woman has long hair it is a glory to her for her hair is given to her for a covering but if one is inclined to be contentious we have no other practice nor have the churches of God I think I mentioned this in closing last week, but that last part there, that verse 16, Paul's just saying if somebody wants to argue about what I'm teaching here because they don't like it, I don't know what to tell you, because this is what I teach in all the churches. Uh, th- this this is what the Word of God says, and and I'm I'm not picking on you Corinthians. This is just this is just the way it is. In other words, Paul is eliminating the cultural argument against his teaching. He's eliminating that that argument. You know, there there are some people that that just deny the authority of the Word of God. You you, you probably know somebody, you work with somebody that just, uh, the Bible, there are people that just deny the authority of God. And they would say about this passage and others, Paul was a sexist and a homophobe and who knows whatever else. You don't have to listen to anything that he writes. i am be honest with you. There's not much you can do with a person that simply denies the authority of the Word of God. Because that's the only authority we have. It's not what Clay says or Michael says or Linda says or anybody. it's, It's Here's what God says. So if somebody just says, that's fooey, that Bible is not, there's not much you can do. But there are some people that still would like to say, no, I believe this is, the Bible is the word of God. I still believe this is, I believe this is the word of God. But they don't like this teaching. And so you'll hear some people, and you, if you read commentaries, you'll hear some commentators say, well, Corinth was a special situation. And this applied to the church in Corinth, and Paul just blows that out of the water right here at the end. He, he says, no, "Listen, if you want to be contentious about this, I'm just telling you, I teach this in all the churches. This is the same thing, I teach everywhere." And he gets into this thing about the short hair and the long hair, which is, which I believe, in in the in in the context of this creation order, that he's talking about. It's simply Paul's way of saying, "Hey, even even naturally, or even in nature itself." teaches you that there's a distinction between men and women. And you can even see it in the length of, of a man or a woman's hair because, all you short-haired women, hang with me, because historically, throughout all of human history, in every culture that has ever existed, there has a predominantly been a practice of women having longer hair than men. Have you ever thought about that and why that is? I mean, there's no... Why does it seem, because because it, now listen to me, especially in modern times, much more when when we have, you know, super hairstylists like my daughter-in-law and and others that may may do that, certainly uh, hairstyles vary and hairstyles change and length of hair is maybe contextual depending on that period of time. But his point is, is that even in this, uh, even in this you can see that 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 there's always been a distinction between men and women. You can even see it just, just in their head being covered or not being covered. There's a distinction. That's what he's, I believe that's what he's drawing out there. That there's a distinction between the sexes, between men and women. Just, I don't know, two or three weeks ago, Sebastian sent me a CNN article. I, and I don't know, maybe some of you read it. But there's a CNN article about a middle school right here in this area, a middle school in Durham uh, that recently uh, had an event where two teachers in the middle school in Durham invited uh, transvestites, drag queens, uh, men that dress and act like women, invited them to come to the school and to put on this program to basically say to, to the children there, Hey, you can be whoever you want to be. You can you can you can do whoever, you, however you want to do. You can identify however you want to identify. Uh, it's it's your life. Basically, it was the message they were trying to do. The CNN article, of course, you know, not of course, but the CNN article reported it in, in glowing terms. And in the it, in the article, uh, it it literally said that that the event was um, I think it said that the event was astoundingly good. I think is what it said. I, I'm sorry if this, if if, if you don't agree with me on this, but I'm sorry. God calls something like that abominably bad because there we are different. It's not not better, not worse, not not higher. Not lower. We, we are different, and God intended it that way. And when we as a culture ignore that, or we pretend that it doesn't matter, or we or we whatever, we are basically saying to God, "You don't know what you're doing. You when you created us, you didn't." Uh, that, we, we don't care what you said. We don't care how you created it. We don't believe there's any purpose or plan in the distinctions. And we can live our lives any way we want to because that's what we want to do. That's essentially what our culture is saying. You know, when our boys were younger, we were living in Atlanta. And I was going to a little college, Bible college down there in Atlanta. And one day Cindy was in the house and uh, I don't know what she was doing, whatever. Uh, she was doing... I mean, good. Whatever it was, it was good. I know that. But whatever she's doing, and eventually, you know, she's, as she's doing all her stuff, she makes her way over to the kitchen sink. And as she gets over to the kitchen sink, she sees these legs. She sees these, this. She's one of our boys flying off the roof onto the trampoline, and boom, 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 one after the other, off the roof onto the trampoline. And so she runs outside. And uh, here's what these little geniuses have done. We, at that time, drove a 1985 Chevrolet Astro van. It was awesome. It was awesome. Had one of those little ladders on the back, you know, you could climb up on the roof of the van. Well, they had somehow managed to get the van into neutral and push it, it was in the garage, and they pushed it back just enough so that the ladder was equal with the edge of the roof, the garage roof, and they could climb up the ladder, get on the roof, run over to the other side, jump off the roof onto the trampoline, and springboard down and to go around and do it again. I think I that was their plan to keep doing this. Unfortunately, what happened was as they were climbing up, and I, I'm just thinking about this as far as physics and how the whole thing works. As they're jumping up on the roof off of the ladder, they must have gotten the car, some hat, van, to rocking some as they're as they're doing this because our driveway was on a bit of a slant and then went into the garage. And they got in the van, came out just enough so that when Cindy goes outside, uh, the the van is is down completely down out of the driveway and has, has crashed into the ditch lodging on, uh, on the culvert head down there. By the way, we did not allow them to continue to self-identify as circus acrobats. We did not. Now, y'all think I'm being silly here, but I'm telling you, based on our culture's approach to this whole sexuality thing, they would say, how dare you? How dare you prevent them from being circus acrobats? Sure, they may not be circus acrobats, but if they want to self-identify as circus acrobats, you have no right to tell them they cannot self-identify as circus acrobats. I, like I said, that may sound silly to you, but I'm telling you, that that is a pretty close picture of the way our culture is approaching this whole sexuality thing. Can, in all the craziness of our culture, I know i got to shut this thing down, but in all the craziness of our culture, listen, can you believe, I mean, we are actually having a debate on whether a biologically born man can walk into a woman's bathroom. We're actually debating whether that's something that should be done or not. I, I, as long as I'm stepping in, I might as well go ahead and say this too, because I think I've said this before. My five-year-old granddaughter, she just gets up and goes to the bathroom if I'm at the restaurant, and some woman that has an Adam's apple wants to go in there. She's she not going in. If I if I'm there, you know, I know Travis would do it if he were there. But I'm just saying we, we we've 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 lost our minds about some of this stuff. I'm just telling you, we've lost our minds about some of this stuff. Can you believe that we're living in a time where women are having to sue men who want to compete in athletic events with them because they've decided now that they want to identify as a woman, and we're we're actually having to go to court and decide whether that is something that, that should go on or, or should not go on. I, I'm, I'm just telling you, we have to stand, ladies and we have to stand clear on sexual distinctions. That doesn't mean to be rude or angry or, or, uh, or anything. Against, to, to, we, we're called to love people, but to say, here's what God says, that sexual distinctions matter. He he created the male and female. They're wonderfully created in the image of God for distinct purposes and plans that He has for each of us to fulfill in our sexuality. He sent me another one, Sebastian. Another article that that I'm I'm just, folks, I'm just saying, oh my, we've got to, somewhere we've got to say, no, y'all, no. God's got a better plan. uh, An article about. In the United Kingdom, and I don't think it mentioned America, I'm sure the statistics have got to be close. In the United Kingdom, gender dysphoria, gender confusion, gender whatever they want to call it, is up 4,000% among children. The article said that that there are doctors performing double mastectomies on perfectly healthy girls as young as, I think, 10 or 13 years of age because they've decided at that age that they want to be a, a boy. You, you see what he, I mean, I don't think Paul could have possibly predicted what was coming down the road in, in our culture. But God knows the end as easily as he knows the beginning. God knows all of this stuff. And so he's simply saying, the, man, the creation order matters. The reason why I create it male. There's a reason why I create it female. And, and that's what you need to get. To focus on. Don't get distracted by the cultural stuff, but stand clear on, on, on sexual distinctions because there is a difference. If, if you're a man, you're fearfully created in the image of God and God has purposes and plans for you that include coming up under and serving uh, your wife if you happen to be married, uh, being a godly example, all that kind of stuff. And, and if you're a woman here, you're fearfully and wonderfully made and God has purposes and plans for you that include learning what, what it means to humbly come up underneath the leadership of your husband, come alongside of him, uh, take out of his side, come alongside of him and and support him in fulfilling the role that God has created all the all of us to do, which ultimately bring him honor and glory. Man, it's a tough passage, but it, I don't think it's hard to see the the need for even a passage like this in the time in which you and I live. We are so afraid in our culture; we're being beat down and say, "Oh, you can't you can't st- you can't say you can't say that you can't say that." And there can be a cost. Can I say this? There may be a cost. I've said this before. Y'all may have to come bail me out of jail one of these days. You you really, the the, the culture continues to move that way. Um, So we're back to that same thing that I keep saying over and over, and this I'll close. You just have to decide. You have to decide your source of truth. when, when, When claims of truth conflict, either, no, you don't have to decide about head covering. That's not an issue in our culture here today. You don't have to decide about that. But you do have to decide, is God's word truth or is the culture's word truth? Which one is right? That we do have to decide.
0: Men and women are different. As Pastor Clay has shared, one is not better than the other, just different. The covering or not covering of a man or woman's head was a cultural custom. But the creation order is what is important to remember along with the distinction between men and women. Our culture wants to make men and women exactly the same, even interchangeable. God has declared that women and men are distinct, and God has purposes for each that bring fulfillment and satisfaction in life. We're glad you joined us for this week's message on Crosswalk. Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God.
1: My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety.
0: Many people at some point in their life feel disconnected with the type of life and faith they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis.
1: What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not getting? If I'm not really living in the promises of God, why is that? That's what this book explores.
0: I Get It is available online in electronic versions for the Nook and Kindle, as well as paperback from Amazon.com. And ask for it by name at your favorite local bookstore.
1: You can go in bookstores and just say, hey, uh, have you got a book in here uh, entitled I Get get it from Clay Stevens. They can order this book out of their catalogs that they get.
0: Get your copy today. Discover the promises of God and the steps you need to take to get it. Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where they will find what they're searching for. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculture.church.
1: I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place.
0: Cross Culture Church, a new church for people like you. Taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.